Well, hello and welcome back to Pastor and People. This is Isaac Adams, your host, and I'm sitting here with Thabiti Anyabwile in the new year. Happy New Year, T. Happy New Year, brother. Good to see you. Yeah, man. Good to be back. Happy New Year to all our listeners. And you're on the Pastor and People podcast. And the goal of this time is simple to help pastors know and enjoy and serve their people and to help people know and love and serve their pastor and enjoy their pastor for their joy, for mm. their greater edification and for the building up of the church. And we kind of always base our time out of Second Corinthians. And uh, we base it off of Second Corinthians 1, 24. And then it, Paul says, Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. That's always the verse we're jumping off of. And uh, the topic we're going to be jumping into today is discipleship, right? We started this back before Christmas, before we had talked about shepherding and the roles of the shepherd and uh, the roles of the sheep. And now we want to talk about discipling and disciple making. And last time we talked about the basics. Right? What is a disciple? What is the goal, the end goal of disciple making? Whose responsibility is it? Right? We talked about the whole church discipling the whole church in a sense. And but today, T, I wanna I wanna narrow that a bit. I wanna talk about how specifically a shepherd makes disciples. Hmm. And I want why don't we just start there? How does a shepherd make disciples? Well, first thing is um, a, a pastor, a shepherd, an elder has to be sure that this is on their radar, that they're thinking about this as fundamental to their job description. And uh, we could go many places to see that. We could go to the Great Commission itself, Matthew 28, go into all the world, make disciples of every nation, um, you know, baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded. So that's really the, the broad marching orders of the church and of the leaders of the church in particular. Well, we think of a place like 2 Timothy chapter 2, um, where Paul says, what you have heard from me, writing to Timothy, mm -hmm. his understudy, mm -hmm. what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So this process of disciple making for the pastor is really at the heart of his job. And it's a kind of relay race mm -hmm. where he takes what's been given to him, in this case, Timothy taking what Paul has given to him, uh, and he finds faithful men. He should always be on the lookout for men of solid character, of, of great leadership potential, um, or of just interest. And he finds those faithful men and he teaches them and he looks to their teaching others. Uh, so the first thing that a pastor wants to do is just make sure he has this on his radar. Mm -hmm. So let's say a pastor comes to you and he's like, brother, I have it on my radar. I've, I've read the scriptures. I see it. But how do I specifically go about entrusting? Do I just preach? I mean, is that that is a general discipleship in one sense, I think you would say. Mm -hmm. uh, but is that enough? Is that my task? Uh, have I done my task? You know, I have to do house visits. I have to do this. I have to do that. There's... I feel like I'm putting out fires. What would you? What would your counsel be to that? Sure. Um, first of all, I read a great little book called *The Trellis and the Vine*, uh, which places good emphasis on the centrality of making disciples. Um, and and in that, I think one of the things that pastors would be challenged by and helped by is a chapter there called "You Know Preaching Is Necessary but It's Not Sufficient," or excuse me, yeah, necessary but not sufficient. Um, so that the pulpit in, in many men's ministry is like the main thing. And, and that's good. 
as far as it goes. But you can't shape people, encourage people, you know, usefully in an applied way, in a specific way, uh, challenge and encourage people from the pulpit. Um, and so it's the difference between uh, a guy who the pulpit is sort of the guy who's firing the machine gun, mm-hmm. laying down cover fire. Mm-hmm. Um, but this kind of one-on-one discipleship, this close-in, life-on-life encouraging and training, well, that, that's more the sniper. That, those are the precision shots. Those are the shots that are, that are fired more directly into a heart of an individual. And if a pastor wants to get started, not only should he know that this ought to be on his radar in a pretty prominent way, the second thing I want to say is um, he's got to recognize he's got to come down out of the pulpit and it's got to be accessible to people um, the way a parent is accessible to the members of the family. And I draw that really from Paul's words in Second Thessalonians. So he writes to the Thessalonians reminding them of his ministry uh, among them. And he says, as, as he writes to them, excuse me, in First Thessalonians, uh, he says in First Thessalonians, We were gentle among you, chapter 2, verse 7, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. You know, see, the apostles' ministry was familial, as tender as a nursing mother taking care of her children. Um, And then notice his ambition. He says, so being affectionate, desirous of you, right? He wanted the best for them. We were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves or our own lives because you had become dear to us. So this discipleship relationship really is an opportunity for the pastor to express to individual persons or small groups of persons how dear they are to him uh, and to express and build a family context in which he gives them not only the gospel, uh, but he opens up his very life to them. Uh, And so they're able to learn as they watch him walk and model. And that's not only a motherly thing, that's a, that's a fatherly thing. So we go on right. in Second Thessalonians 2. Um, Paul goes on to say there, um, you know how, verse 11, like a father with his children. So you get the tenderness and you get the strength right. in discipleship. We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And I like that because it gets to the, the kind of cheerleader aspect of disciple making. You know, what you're really trying to do is rally people to walk with Christ and to walk worthy of their calling uh, in Christ, um, who has called them, as Paul says here, into his kingdom and into his glory. And so disciple making becomes, um, you know, transferring kingdom living and uh, transferring something of the glory and the beauty of holiness uh, to people as they look into your life like a mother and a father and they model what they see there and they receive what you teach in the gospel. That's a beautiful that's a beautiful perspective from scripture for the pastor T and that's really helpful just to think mm-hmm. um, how do I consider this from multiple roles, this multiple facets mm-hmm. of this same diamond of mm-hmm. discipleship and now I want to switch the perspective. Mm-hmm. So I want to go over to the children of the family, per mm-hmm. se, just mm-hmm. to continue in the analogy, the members, the congregants. Um, and I think you would affirm that they should expect love and care from their, their pastor. They should expect a cheerleader. Um, but it seems like if you have a num- if you have 100 folks, 
that's a lot for one man, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So what do I expect realistically knowing I'm not the only child in the family? Mm. How do I expect my discipleship from my pastor to actually flesh out? Mm. So it sounds like you wouldn't, I, I shouldn't just assume because it's not fleshing out in a one-on-one relationship that he doesn't care. Mm. But what, what should my realistic expectations be? Yeah, well, let's start with some things you should not expect. Mm. Right, you should not expect the pastor to be your daddy, uh, or the pastor to be your mom. Right, uh, and sometimes cats do, mm-hmm. particularly young guys yeah. who really admire and respect their pastor. Um, there can be a development of an over attachment and an over dependence, where a guy who, in, in otherwise legitimate ways, takes on a, a father like figure. Um, that can get dialed up too much. There's a way in which that's good. So Paul says, I was like a father to you, right? right? So a way in which that's good, but there's also a way in which that can get dialed up. So if you begin to sort of feel like I'm being neglected by the pastor, he should be spending time with me and not with Joe. Okay, that that something's wrong there. Something's turned up too high. Uh, Or if you begin to be so discouraged if you're not noticed by the pastor um, or or called by the pastor and always applauded by the pastor, Mm -hmm. Something's happening in the heart that you want to be suspicious of and careful about. So first of all, don't expect the pastor to be your parent in any literal sense in that way. It's a metaphor. Um, secondly, related to that, don't expect that the pastor is going to only spend time with you or spend all his time with you. Uh, he's got multiple people that, that he needs to care for. And if you're loving and you care about the rest of the church, you want him to spend time with other people as well. And so don't don't expect to monopolize the time. A third thing not to expect, don't expect the pastor to be perfect, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I love in 1 Timothy 4, where Paul writes to Timothy, he says, let your progress be evident to all. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I love that is because he assumes Timothy is not perfect, mm-hmm. right? And he assumes <laughs> that the people ought to be able to see some right. shortcomings, right? right? right. And they ought to be able to see growth. So there's grace in that. And and I think people, the members of a church, have to confer that grace to their pastors. Don't 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 idolize your pastor to such an extent that, or any extent, where uh, you're assuming a kind of perfection from them. Now, what kinds of things might you expect? Well, if you find that you've got a pastor who can't pastor the entire congregation, you might expect to look for some extra pastors. Mm-hmm. You might expect uh, to support the pastor in identifying other elders uh, and pastors to serve the congregation so that the load is shared. Right. And so you might, you might. it's healthy to expect that your sort of discipleship relationship may not be with the senior pastor. It may be with another elder. It may not even be with anyone in leadership at all. It may be just another godly brother or sister who's serving in the church and as a sister, you meet with that godly sister, or as a younger brother, you meet with that godly brother, and, and your spiritual needs are cared for. The body is meant to disciple the body, right. as you said before. And if I can, real quick, I think in a healthy way, it sounds like Paul's assuming that. So in that mm-hmm. verse in First Thessalonians, I, if you can point me to the specific verse, but I think you said, he says, we became That's right. like... That's right. Huh. So verse 7, yeah. we were gentle among you like a nurse and mother, down in verse 11... For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each of you. That, that's a great observation. So he's, Paul is always doing ministry as a team, right? right? Uh, and the disciple-making that's going on is being done as a team. And so you, it's very healthy for a member to expect not to monopolize the time of the, pa- the senior pastor, 
But if they're humble, they'll receive godly encouragement and instruction from any other godly person in the church, right? And this needs to be done as a team. Uh, here, here's something else that, that they should expect that's implicit in all of this. Uh, and this raises the bar on the pastors, I think, in a healthy way. They should expect access to the pastor's life. Enough that the pastor's life is actually a tangible model for them, mm-hmm. right? So when Paul talks about um, setting an example for the believers, 1 Timothy 4, 12, right. in speech and faith and, and, and so on, well, you've got to be close enough and observable enough to be an example. Or when he writes it in 1 Thessalonians 2, uh, so much of this is him reminding them of his example among them. He says in verse 1 of chapter 2, uh, you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. And he continues to talk about what their lives were like as apostles and a ministry team. And the Thessalonian Christians had access to that life. I love the way he says it to the Corinthians. He's pleading with the Corinthians um, to, to basically honor him as, as an apostle. And he says to them, he says, my heart is wide open to you. Mm-hmm. Open wide your heart to me. Uh, and I think it's reasonable for... Um, it's reasonable for disciples to have a, a, a an expectation that the life of a pastor isn't this closed off, walled off, super spiritual, inaccessible thing. Where but, study is like the holy of holies. Well, that's exactly right. Uh, but rather, his life is appropriately available to him. I point to just one more passage. It's it's Paul's um, writing to Timothy, and uh, he he reminds Timothy in in Second Timothy three. Um, verse 10, he says to Timothy, you, however, in contrast to the, the false teachers, you have followed my teaching. So there's the teaching, the doctrine, right? Then he says, my conduct, right? My behavior, you followed how I act. And then he says, my aim in life. So you've also followed the goals that I've set. I've transferred to you a sense of purpose in this, my faith my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. What is he saying to Timothy? Man, you know my life from top to bottom. You know what's in my head. You know what's in my heart. You know what I do with my hands. You know what hurts I've had, and you know what help from God I've received. His life is wide open to Timothy. Uh, and that's the best of disciple-making, is, is life on life. And people have an opportunity to come to your home, have, have dinner with your family, see how you interact with your kids. Um, they maybe um, come to the office, they see or travel with you as you visit the sick. Um, maybe you've got young guys you're training for the ministry and you have opportunity to speak somewhere else or to attend a conference. Those guys travel with you. They see what you're like outside the pulpit as well as inside the pulpit. They begin to see if those two things match, right? <laughs> you they realize know? when they don't. But that's exactly right. They realize when they don't. And hopefully you're humble enough to receive from them uh, so that they are also pouring into your life. It's not one way. You know, it's, it's both ways if we're doing this right. Um, and um, yeah, this, this, this approach to discipleship certainly it, it, it makes the pulpit important, but it also makes the personal life important uh, to sort of open up and share with people. Because what we're trying to do um, is to teach people how to live as Christians. 
You know, we're not just trying to transfer facts. We're trying to teach people how to live as Christians. We don't know how to do that naturally. The, the Christian life is a supernatural life. And we need to be taught in this fallen world, this present evil age, how to live with this blessed hope, waiting for the glorious appearing mm -hmm. of Christ. T, if I, can, if I can close maybe with one example that I know you would commend. Um, I was challenged and struck by our brother Tony, mm -hmm. Tony Conner down in Atlanta, mm -hmm. when he was talking about Phil Duncanson, who is also on the front porch, uh, who's an associate pastor at their church. And Tony's mm -hmm. poured into Phil, and Phil's poured into Tony mm -hmm. now for years, mm -hmm. right? And Tony was talking about their discipleship, and Tony was saying, when Phil and I get up, we don't just sit and ask each other 10 questions mm -hmm. and then say, see you next week. And mm -hmm. while that might be helpful sure. in certainly some sure. context where time is limited or sure. you only have so much you can do with someone, Tony was saying, Phil knows every aspect of my life. Mm. He knows when I'm lying. Mm. He knows when I haven't been mm -hmm. when I haven't been mm -hmm. honest about a certain issue. When I'm when I'm backsliding on mm -hmm. something. When I'm rejoicing in something. When I'm hurting on something. Mm -hmm. He knows me like you were saying, top to bottom. Mm. And uh, that was a beautiful model of discipleship. It is, man. And just to go on a little further and embarrass them, brothers. You know, <laughs> let's let's talk about them since they ain't here. You know, man, I I've seen Tony weep over Phil. Mm. I, I've seen Tony mention Phil and say, like like Paul says of, you know, Timothy and others, you know, I have nobody else like him. Mm -hmm. Now that's not to the denigration of the other brothers who right. are dear to him and they right. are close and, you know, and he's discipling. Um, but where disciple making really is bearing much fruit, man, it produces love mm -hmm. between sisters who disciple one another, between brothers mm -hmm. who disciple one another. And, uh, and I've heard Phil give great expression of appreciation to mm -hmm. God mm -hmm. for Tony mm -hmm. and what Tony has meant in his life. And that, that's what you want. We just want to see that replicated hundreds and hundreds of times, thousands of times in, in all of God's churches uh, as we live this way. Amen. Well, see, I think you gave a lot of helpful counsel, and I love that it's flowing from the text. And we'll keep flipping these pages as we as we keep on talking, but in that council, you know, these were helpful guardrails, but sometimes people go off the guardrails, right? right? We flip, we flip like over right. all like the time. Right. So there's all that to say, there's a lot of potential mistakes mm. that people make in disciple making. Mm. We started to get into those. Let's save them for the next episode. Uh, thank you for joining us on Pastor and People. This is Isaac and the BD, and we'll see you next time, Lord willing.